You're listening to a Rare Drop podcast. Check us out at raredrop.co. is freshly roasted and ethically sourced it's music to your ears shake up the way you wake up at kingscoastcoffee.com we'll write a book at some all right point. we're live on the stream now oh, so hey. now we can introduce our guests instead of them awkwardly standing there and being uncomfortable because <laughs> we argue like a married couple which is funny because he says amy is just like me and i say danielle is just like him so essentially <laughs> we're married yeah <laughs> Without any of the benefits. Um, <laughs> welcome to uh, Star Wars and Scotch Live from GCX. It's a pleasure to have you all here. Yeah. This has become a staple of the event since 2019. It was so weird. We just like did it. It just all- happened. Yeah, you're just like, you want to talk about Star Wars? Well, we tried to do the other thing where we talked about TV shows, and then we realized the only thing we like to talk about is Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> you ever so try to do a thing about The Witcher and talk about The Witcher? Yeah, when you only have very limited lore knowledge of it. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's as bad as getting rid of Henry Cavill as Geralt. <laughs> Don't worry, Liam will do a great job if the season ever comes to fruition. Uh, but I'd love to introduce our guests. So these are some friends of ours. We have uh, Molly and Alex from Star Wars Explained. They were here last year. And we have our friend Chase, who we are so happy Chase was able to make it out this yes, year. That gay you. Jedi. Yeah. So this, this uh, year, we want to talk about Ahsoka. We want to talk about the High Republic. And then, of, as always, we want to talk about your questions. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But the first thing I want to do is say, Tim, yes. where's your costume? <sighs> August 1st? August 1st? I really don't want to ruin this guy's career. <laughs> He's doing damage to yours. I know. I got a picture. He sent me a picture. Okay, I could, so I could have sent you a picture so of a Mandalorian costume. For those that don't know, three years ago... I thought it'd be really cool to get a Mandalorian cosplay outfit. And so someone reached out and they're like, oh yeah, this guy works with, you know, LucasArts and like all that stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. And then the pandemic happened and I was like, all right. So, you know, a few thousand dollars later in three years, I might have it before Kyler's birthday. Yeah. Cause you were talking about coming in cosplay last GCX. Yes. And the GC and the well, one there before, was, well, we had the idea of coming for that one. And then yes. the pandemic happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. So <laughs> it doesn't exist right now. Next year, for sure. Next year. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't take that bet. I'll take it to Tokyo. Ooh. In 2025. Yeah. Star I might Wars have Celebration. Anybody? We got one, two, three. All right. We'll see all three of you there in Tokyo. <laughs> um, but uh, let's start off with Ahsoka. So um, in a few weeks from now, we'll be introduced to a new series, which we're all very excited about. Yeah. Rebels Live. It's essentially, at the end of the day, we're getting Rebels Live action. Yeah. So uh, this is the part of the show where we just speculate to no end, and none of it comes to fruition. But I am interested to see what you all think. I've, we've spoken to you, Chase, uh, about it a bit in detail. But Alex and Molly, I know you've given stuff on your YouTube channel, but I'd love to hear, we can start with Molly, what are you expecting from a story advancement, especially under the idea 
that this is going to lead to a bigger movie mm. with potentially Boba Fett and Din Djarin and all of these characters from that New Republic early era. So mm. what are your expectations of the show on a very general level? Um, I just really want to know what Thrawn and Ezra have been up to. Yeah. Like, have they just been hanging out, becoming besties? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm interested to see if the show goes into Ahsoka's backstory or if they just, like, go full speed ahead into what's happening from now on, you know? And, like, a lot of people know who Thrawn is, but are they going to go into his backstory, like, from the books? And are they going to bring in stuff from Legends? Uh, who knows? Uh, what do you think? Well, first of all, I, am I the only one here that cares about the integrity of this show? Oh. <laughs> I went to get some more, but go ahead. It's called Star Wars and Scotch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my man. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm just going to pour five little glasses, and you don't have to drink it, but I'm going to drink mine. So. You, have a great, you have a great taste as well. That's like my favorite. Oh, yeah, good. I brought it for you. Thank you. That's the one that's on my desk behind. It's good. What I kind drink. of scotch does uh, Thrawn drink? Oh, perhaps uh, he drinks whatever he thinks will help him understand the culture of the group he's trying to destroy. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to drink a scotch to learn how to destroy his enemies. Um, but yeah, I'm really curious to see how they handle this story, not just from Legends, but also with uh, everything that happens in Rebels for people who have not seen the show. And how are, how are they going to catch people like my parents up who they just watch the live action stuff? And there's the, the trailers alone, I'm like, they're really diving into Rebels. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how they're going to fill in the maybe the more casual viewer of Star Wars. So Disney Plus, in my opinion, has done a really good job of keeping casual viewers interested. Do you think, because we look at it from a much different lens than the casual viewer, like the one I always go to is my wife. My wife loves Mandalorian, loves Book of Boba Fett. I couldn't dream of getting her to watch Rebels anytime because it's animated, and for some reason there's that disconnect there. Yeah. So do you think that we're overanalyzing it as super fans and that it is palatable to... Because we're looking for everything in those trailers. Yeah. Like, we're like, are they Dark Jedi? What are they? You know, like, to them, it's just, oh, that's the bad guy, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So do you think we overanalyze these things as super fans? Oh, yeah. Always. Absolutely. That's yeah. what we do for <laughs> that's a <living>. our job. <laughs> but in a fun way. Yeah. For, exactly. I, for me, though, I don't, I don't really like the heir of the Empire Thrawn. And I really mm-hmm. like the new Timothy Zahn version of Thrawn with Ascendancy. And so, like, how do you feel about them going back towards heir to the Empire? Well, I don't really see them as totally different characters. What do you dislike about I, the... So for me, like, going through Thrawn's journey through the Ascendancy and seeing, like, all of that for his house, it felt like there was so much based around the Ascendancy and, and, and his dedication to them. And even in the original trilogy that was tied to Rebels... He always was thinking about the ascendancy, and even the emperor even saw that. He was like, he, he knew that he was getting ready to backstab him. But I always thought that was because he was doing that for the ascendancy. And this version of Thrawn, at least how they're portraying it, seems like he's going to be taking over the empire for himself. I'm expecting that it's going to be kind of like uh, he is just going to be treated as the villain in the show. And then Timothy Zahn will probably come and write another three books. <laughs> to, <laughs> to I love like, his books. Yeah, so, oh, I, I mean, do too. Like, 
and, the, and then this will be like Timothy Zahn saying, here were Thrawn's real motivations, uh, and, and it will all tie to the ascendancy and stuff. But in the show, I, I think he's just going to be the original heir to the Empire trilogy villain. Yeah, just a, just yeah. a good bad guy. It seems though every trilogy Thrawn changes, like you said, real motivations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every trilogy we get seems the motivations are shifting and changing and becoming different. And so I even feel within the show, are we going to see another thing that we're, oh, didn't see that coming? Because his he's he's ten steps ahead of us at all times. The audience, the you know whoever his adversary is. So I feel like there's more to unpack there. And if Dave's movie is what this is all leading up to, then I don't. I feel like Thrawn's not the ultimate bad guy at the end of all of this in Dave's movie. I feel like there's other things at play here. So how does Thrawn fit into that is the way I'm looking at it. So Chase, we haven't asked you anything yet. When it comes to the Rebels crew that we know so well at this point, um, I'll, I'll ask my favorite question. I asked this to Tim. Do you think we see a little Jason Sindula? Is that his name? Jason Sindula, yes. right? Jason. Yeah. yeah, yeah. that picture Alex posted yesterday of possibly Jason in the cockpit was very exciting. I think, honestly, I think we will get Jason, and I think that he'll kind of serve as a nice emotional connection for the hardcore fans yeah. that are fans of Kanan, and, like, we don't have Kanan, so it'll be nice to kind of have him through Jason, um, that's what I assume they'll do if they bring Jason. I was mostly surprised in the trailer, though, like, at how much emotion was between um, Sabine and Ahsoka. Yeah. Like, the emotion they packed into that trailer, I just didn't see that relationship being a focus, and I didn't honestly think it would grab my attention the way it did. But during that trailer, I was like, oh, like, Sabine has had feelings that we didn't necessarily get to experience, like, through her lens, through Rebels, yeah. that we're really going to get, like, unpacked through Ahsoka, I hope. So, like, that's, that was a like, really interesting part of the trailer for me. So bringing up Sabine, Tim. Yeah, is she training to? Is she force sensitive? We'll start there. I mean, she whips out a lightsaber and she calls Ahsoka master. So like, there's a part of me that really feels like she's force sensitive to a certain degree. Whipping out the lightsaber wouldn't really be the end all be all there. It's the calling her master that I was like, wait a minute. That really threw me because like her pulling out the lightsaber could be the equivalent of like Finn. Pulling out, and she you know, had, she's done it. Didn't she do it in Rebels? She used. I mean, she had the dark saber, so yeah. she was trained on how to use a lightsaber. So, like, so. I get it. But her calling Ahsoka Master—that was—that was, that was the deal. hook where I was like, okay, continue. I, think. I, I felt a, a sense of sarcasm a mm-hmm. little bit when she yeah. said it. So I can't tell if if she was being facetious by saying that or not. Like, I I I won't be upset if she's force sensitive, but at this moment in time, I don't really think that she. Is. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh okay. goodness! <laughs> My opinions are about to get much stronger. <laughs> good, good. I mean, at the end of the day, there is nothing better than sitting around with your friends and a drink and arguing about. Last night, not completely Star Wars related, but nerd related. Oh god! We were at one of the bars, and Mike, if you all know my friend Mike, he's one of the security guards, said. That Samwise Gamgee is annoying. Oh. <laughs> no. And I went, so you don't think he's the hero of the story? <laughs> Buckle up, buddy, because for the next 45 minutes, I'm going to explain to you why Samwise Gamgee is the reason that Middle Earth survives. <laughs> I hope he hears the clapping. Um, but that's what we love to do. I mean, that's the camaraderie is let's have a drink. Let's argue about our favorite nerd thing. 
And with him, I mean, what? you think we talk about it? No, we get together, we'll be out with the kids and stuff, and we just start going at each other <laughs> all the time. <laughs> it's a very unhealthy relationship. <laughs> like we said, it's a marriage without all the benefits. <laughs> um, back to Ahsoka. So as far as other characters from the live action show, we know at this point Disney loves to intertwine our friends from other series. Are we going to see anybody, this is for three of you, else from the other Disney Plus series? Are we going to see anyone from Rebels maybe come alive for the first time? What are your thoughts on that? It definitely wouldn't surprise me if more Mandoverse characters appeared. I kind of hope they hold back on it because there are so many new characters in... Uh, <laughs> are you okay. okay, got it. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> so I, I think that they have enough on their plate, enough new characters that they don't need to have like a bunch of cameos as well but i'm sure that they're holding stuff back from the trailers that we haven't seen i would love to get live action uh hondo oh my oh, god, and, yeah. god. Okay, it's but they funny because we ride. have it at yes. disney yes. yeah he's yeah. in the ride like he's full. in the ride as an animatronic he's sorry if you haven't been on the ride but <laughs> sorry spoilers <laughs> <laughs> sorry you're not rich and can't go to disney no um but he's it's been there for like four years come on uh he <laughs> We're talking about Smuggler's Run, the Millennium Falcon ride. So, also, I said Falcon because my son keeps saying, Daddy, why does Han say Falcon instead of Falcon? <laughs> Just the way he talks, bud. <laughs> um, but uh, he's, there's an animatronic when you go into the waiting room, and he's there, and he's talking. And it's awesome because if you're an old school fan, it's like, oh, my God, it's Hondo. And then he appears on the screen. So for every Disney Plus series, because of that, I think Tim and I have been like, he's going to be in this one. Yeah. He's going to be in this one. He's going to be. But this would be the perfect one to bring him in because this is his. Because Rebels. His cast of characters. Rebels, yeah. So he's yeah, I like that one. He's got a history with Ahsoka. I also think he would be really fun in Skeleton Crew since that's yes. going to have a yeah. pirate vibe to it. And yeah. he just like, he, he has so many fun relationships with like Katuni in the Clone Wars, Ezra in Star Wars Rebels. He, he's got a soft spot for yeah. like young, scrappy kids. So I think he could come in and help <laughs> the skeleton crew. Yeah, I like that. I, that's a good character I would like to see. Um, anyone else? I think Hondo would be my number one. I, I'm interested to see if we get Zeb because we did see him in Mando. Like, yeah. I'm wondering if like they showed us him in Mando just to be like, he's here, but he's here and not going to be in Ahsoka. That's mm -hmm. a good point. Yeah. I, I think Zeb will be in it and he'll probably bring like Carson Teva, Trapper Wolf, like all of those pilots <laughs> along. To, to loop that story. Because that just feels like a loose end. I know mm -hmm. it's going to play into whatever because of the future for Mandalorian, but right now it feels like a loose end. Yeah. So it would really loop that around to um, the current era. Do you think we'll get a Force Ghost Freddie Prince Jr.? Oh, mm. my God. Mm. For him to come in and be live action Kanan, I would love that. Oh. Yeah, I think it would work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, w I would like to see that. I think the, the question would be, though, who would have taught him? Oh, oh. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's been a big thing in Star Wars is that. It I has don't know, to but he also had that like the link with the um, the wolves. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like there's something like more there because then we could, I mean, we, we correct me if I'm wrong. But we never got a great backstory for him. Right. No, like we don't really for, know a lot about him. Like pre how he became a force ghost no, no no for like just his his journey all the way up we don't know a lot of that do we we've seen him like as a kid in the animated Bad series in yeah, Bad Batch yeah. And we, we see him Bad experience Bad order 66 he had a comic there was a novel that took place in between order 66 and rebels but there, there's a pretty big gap there. there's still a lot of gap there there's, so. there's still plenty that they could fill out 
Yeah, there's something there. But it, that would be, he was saying he communicated with Yoda in the show. I feel like that would be more Yoda than Kanan. Well, for the Force Ghost aspect of it, I yes. think they've already kind of opened that door in The Rise of Skywalker by having Kanan's voice be yes, there. Yes, he's a part of the Having a bunch course. of Jedi be yeah. there. And there's always been the lingering question of, like, well, who taught Anakin? Right. And th there might be something about the fact that Yoda and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan kind of opened the door to the oh, cosmic force sure. that maybe they can bring people back or something. <laughs> Throw them up. So it's like, like learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> learn. Picking and choosing like, uh, Ki-Adi Mundi, you can stay yeah. up there. But, <laughs> come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> so it's kind of like a learned in death situation because they were able to achieve it so like like you said it's more of a door than oh a, man jedi limbo where they just sit there forever just <laughs> jedi purgatory <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah god that's really deep <laughs> all right i'll baptize jedi go <laughs> sorry do you guys think we're we're gonna see any of the world between worlds in live action yeah filoni just did a, a interesting or at least i saw an interesting interview with filoni he was actually talking about the world between worlds like the veil and he's like this is just it's 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 a connecting point for all time like everything mm -hmm. exists in this one focal point and i thought that was really interesting because there really wasn't an, an explanation for like how that worked because it's really just like it's an audio representation because Ezra's walking around this circle and you're hearing all of these yeah. instances from like before and after and during. And so like that's really just like the center point where all time flows into it. So it's, it's deep. Yeah. We've, they, we've talked about it. Do you think if they do start to dive deeper into that, it opens up the door to a, and a, you know, it's taboo to say what I'm about to say, but I'm saying a Star Wars multiverse at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't want no, that for the record. I think they did that so that they didn't have a multiverse. So instead of it existing in multi planes, it all came to one point instead. I agree. I agree with that 100%. And I also think like if they do choose to explore the world between worlds, I feel like it's a really good way. I think of this show as like a, one of the most strongly connective tissue of shows we've had mm -hmm. where it really like there's Anakin name drops we're also talking about Thrawn we're talking about the future of like the Rebel Alliance like there's so it's such like an like a I think it was like a sponge and it's like it's like widening out and yeah. filling up the past and the future mm -hmm. and like a good way to sort of address that's such a huge time span and a good, good way to address all those things is through something like the world between worlds because you can like address like the expansiveness of time and, and kind of talk about all these things happening all over the timeline. So I could see them using it. And I think that would be like a good way for them to like address everything that's kind of this show is touching. Mm -hmm. That's I, I love the world between worlds, but it is one of those concepts that scares me because yeah. I, the more you dive into it, I feel like the more people will think it's time travel or multiverse or this. And I don't think it's any of those things. I think the way we saw it in Rebels was very much this is what happened. And Ezra didn't change time by saving Ahsoka, she was always saved by Ezra in that moment. And he could not have saved Kanan because we saw that no one saved Kanan yeah. in Star Wars Rebels. So mm -hmm. I, I am afraid that they could change those rules because I don't want time travel in Star Wars on that degree. I don't want a multiverse. I, I, but I want them to keep on occasionally dabbling in the world between worlds because it's weird and cool. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around what works and what doesn't work yeah. as far as the, the world between worlds is concerned. <laughs> well, I think that originally we had thought like this is how they were going to fix all of the EU stuff. They were going to yeah, use that. Ago, yeah. but, but now it seems like that they have cleared that up by just making it this lore. Like the, yeah, I mean, you and me talk about it all the time. Everyone acts 
like they have amnesia like oh the eu is perfect and there was no continuity issues i'm like the eu was a mess <laughs> yeah it was like three different versions of stories and characters and you know solidifying it into one timeline you know essentially whether you like everything disney has done or not i understand because i don't love everything either but at least we understand this is the story that is being told mm -hmm. you know and we can build on it and there's thousands of years of storytelling to fit in there so it's not like we're going to run out of time um you know we, we say every year about the old republic we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting they're going to wait till it's a rainy day and pull it out maybe the game the remake if we ever see that is the kickoff of that you know portion of storytelling which we can segue perfectly now into the high republic <laughs> so last year we had sawyer we had mark thompson up here um with us and we were all raving about the high republic we thought yeah. it was great it was wonderful and backstage, we were going over what we are going to talk about. And if you've listened to the last few episodes of Star Wars and Scotch, Tim and I have not really been high on the High Republic lately. <laughs> so bored. <laughs> yeah. The last few books, I think the peak was the wedding. It was the wedding. Yeah. yeah I, will, I will always say that in Between phase Between and, um, oh, I forget his name, Fontuzen. Yep. And uh, that was like the peak of it. And then everything just started to collapse from there. So I, I wanted to ask you three. I think we talked about this with you, Chase, on the show. So mm -hmm. we'll ask Alex and Molly. Um, do you feel like phase two's direction was a mistake because we had just been introduced to these amazing new characters and now we've gone farther back in time and we've, we're still, we don't have resolution with those characters. So do you think it was a mistake to mess with the timeline in that manner of storytelling? I don't think it was a mistake and I, I understand the, why they wanted to go back further to get into some of the, the lore behind who eventually become the villains yeah. from phase one. I just feel like phase two lost a lot of people because we got to know and love so many characters in phase one and then none of them are around anymore. Almost none of them are around anymore. Um, so I think if they just shortened phase two by a lot and then quickly moved on to phase three to get back to those characters, I think that would have been better. But Personally, I skipped a lot of Phase 2 because it wasn't holding my attention, you know, but I, I still love the High Republic, and I can't wait to get back to, like, Briaga and, like, figure out what happened to a lot of the characters after Starlight Beacon fell. Yeah. I also feel like the mother is a super weak villain in mm. comparison to Markeon and, you know, yeah. the Drengear. Well, it, it's interesting because it is supposed to be like you want the villains to get stronger and stronger. But since right, we right. went back in time, she should be a little weaker. But it feels just odd in the pacing where, yeah, like we had so much momentum coming out of the fallen star. And then we go back and it just feels like this detour. But I don't want to call it a mistake because I trust the authors. And I feel like when I think we're I hope we're going to get a lot of payoff in phase three. That we're going to be like, oh, I am glad I read that. I think it's interesting that you felt what Convergence was the stronger book. I loved Cataclysm. Yeah. That was my favorite from Phase 2. But Cataclysm's been fun. You know, I, I'm halfway through it. And so but it definitely got to a point where I started to check out. Um, the stuff with Yaddle was fun for a bit. But I just, like, even, like, her Padawan that she was with, <laughs> like, it was... It, it just felt like there was a lot of just extra stuff that they were throwing on top that I just I couldn't connect with because it just it felt like so much. Like you said, Molly, like we got so connected to these characters in phase one. And we had to kind of like leave all that behind and then go and relearn all this stuff for phase two. And then now knowing we have to leave that behind yeah. and go back to phase one. So it's just I got to a point where I just stopped remembering who these characters were. I couldn't even 
recall them fast enough just because I just lost that care. It's interesting, the Tales of Light and Life book that's going to come out on September 5th, they had it at Comic-Con, so we were able to pick up a copy, and it kind of bridges the gap. It's short stories about characters from phases one, two, and three. Uh-huh. And so I read through that, and it it really did highlight how much I missed the phase one characters. Yeah. Because we were getting... You start in phase two with the short stories, and as I was reading more, it starts to get back into the fall of Starlight Beacon, and then you start moving beyond it, and I was like, this is what I've been wanting and missing, and it feels really good to get back to them. I don't understand how we can get to the end of phase one as such a high point where it's like, you know, everyone's dead. We see what Markeon's doing. He's gotten rid of everybody. There's these droids, and it's just him, and then we just leave it right there. Like, that is, like, just the the biggest bait I felt like in the world. Cause it's just like, I'm ready for the next thing. Yeah. And so it's like, that's what Kevin and I were talking about. It felt like phase two was used as a, like a buffer time mm. for them to continue expanding on what they have already done. And so like, it just, it felt like it was kind of an afterthought just to kind of get them through so that they could get to phase three. I, I actually do have some thoughts on that because I wonder if they had five authors and they, I feel like knocked phase one out of the park, yeah. but it, they, they all wrote so much. And then they brought in a bunch of new authors who largely handled phase two. And I wonder if that was so the initial authors could that's what we really see. focus on phase three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's how it feels. Because even the writing is just like, it's just the pacing, just the tones. It's all so different from phase one. So it's just, it, it, I think that also led to the disconnect too. Mm-hmm. Just the way that they told those stories. And if it was, honestly, if it wasn't for the audiobooks, I probably would have never even touched it. Because it's just like, those really sold out. Like the wedding. Like that scene was was portrayed so well by Mark and like all the extra like audio you, that was added on top. Did of it. you listen to that scene in the mm-hmm. Audible? The yeah. music, the atmosphere. It was it was an epic Star Wars moment. The audiobooks are so good. If yeah. you've never listened to one, you've got to check them out because it's it's like listening to an audio drama. They have like sound yeah. effects, yep. the music. It's incredible. The Lorna D one. Oh phenomenal God, because so it had all of the voice actors from all the different ones and they all come together and they're all doing their characters and it's it's like a radio show performance yeah. it's so great cataclysm i felt like told a good story you said you liked it better so i want to touch on that i felt like it took too long to get to the point mm. that was my like dalna in the last like 20 chapters or whatever i was like all right already like finish the battle we know who wins like get to the point <laughs> yeah closed fist yeah that whole thing and i just felt like i was listening to this audio drama and it was droning on and on, and we never got to the point of, like, the battle. So I, f- I feel like I fatigued on it, if that makes sense. Um, and now I'm on Path of Vengeance, and I'm like, oh, my God, we're going back in time inside of going back in time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, I guess I'm losing my patience, if you will. So I'm on the verge of, like, looking for a YouTube video <laughs> as a recap. <laughs> Path of Vengeance does have some wild stuff in it. Like, it has the most that I think is going to connect back to Phase 3 as far as the nameless and where they come from and all that. There, there's interesting tidbits. I think the conversations in the book are a little long. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's characters that I feel like haven't been properly established to mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to remember. And at this point, it's phase one characters, phase two characters, phase two minor characters, phase two major ca- It's just becoming a lot. And I liked your answer because it's what they always do with Star Wars. It's like, we're going to give you the information and then all of the clarifying information will come later and we'll come around <laughs> and make a complete story 10 years later. But, um, yeah, I, I think the reason I'm pushing myself through it is because I want the satisfaction in Phase 3 yeah. when the dots are connected and it's a full story. So I think it will definitely pay off in the end. Yeah. And, like, especially once Phase 3 is over with, I think I might go back and revisit some stuff 
that I skipped in phase two, just so that it, like I can connect all those dots after the fact. Who's ready for question time? Oh. <laughs> One person. <laughs> Who's got questions? Who's got questions? I can come to you. That way. You have to say your name and where you're from, too. Hello, everyone. My name is Ty Tano. I'm from North Carolina, but I live here in the Davenport, Florida area. Um, so with the, the Mandoverse, essentially, of shows, I feel like um, Ahsoka has the opportunity to kind of steep more into Jedi mysticism aspect that we haven't got, gotten a feel for that for a while. Um, so I was wondering, do you think that we'll get any callbacks to the Mortis arc or the daughter when it comes to Ahsoka? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I, I think that we've seen uh, Morai, the convor, floating around, and she was in the her Ahsoka's episode in The Mandalorian. So I think Dave Filoni's already seeding that, and that alone is a connection back to the daughter. Um, then the, one of the trailers showed Ahsoka like exploring some ruins, yeah. and it just looked very Mortisy to very me. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if if we go into the world between worlds at all, you know the the mother, daughter, or father, brother, father. daughter, <laughs> yeah, father. father. Well, the, the, the mother is something she's completely different. She's terrifying. Abeloth, yeah. Oh she's my god. Canon. They they were all on that mural, you know, where the portal came, and so I think they would have to revisit some of that stuff. And I would love for them to explore the Mortis arc a little bit more because that is where some of the really juicy, weird yeah. Jedi Force lore comes from. I definitely feel like we'll, I mean, I am trying to keep my expectations based because, like, that is my favorite arc ever in any Star Wars. So, like, I can't even, like, let myself go there. But I do like the idea of them sort of having Ahsoka go on this more spiritual journey throughout the show and then kind of ending it up with that, that um, brother-sister, father stuff. Because I think, especially with, the, again, the Anakin name drops, like, that is one part of like Anakin and Ahsoka's story that they really have not talked about since it happened, and it yeah. was kind of crazy. So she died. I feel like no, yeah, no one wants to she address died. it. Yeah, right. So I, I could see them kind of having her like that be a part of her arc that gets um, maybe like more brought out like at the end of season one, and something that's more deeply explored in season two because that would be such like a like everyone's already kind of excited about the show, but like imagine if they like really set up like that crazy like mystical stuff at the end of season one, then everyone be like hungry for season two you know what i mean yeah. so that'd be i would love to see them kind of have that spiritual journey for her mm -hmm. especially for people who haven't seen the clone wars yes. and are just yeah. watching ahsoka right. and they'll be like what is going on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one question on that note before we take this question here um the star maps are those yeah. the star maps we're familiar from kotor and other old republic games it, at least it looks like it's inspired by yeah. kotor I don't yeah. know if it's going to have ties to that stuff, but that'd be cool. It'd be really yeah. cool. That was pretty cool. How are you doing? Uh, Josh Spain from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, so we pretty much know that Ahsoka's pretty much a rebel season five. With the title being Ahsoka, do you feel that there might be any finality towards Ahsoka's story? Ooh. I hope not. God. <laughs> I mean, she's like one of the most beloved characters in the fandom. So like, I feel like it'd be yeah. really hard for them to just be like, nope, that's it. You're done. Like, I would assume like she continues to live on. But yeah, what's your tie in to episode seven, eight and nine? So at some point, yeah, she's probably gone. Um, so maybe that's how they lay her to rest. Yeah. I mean, like that. I didn't really think about that. 
I yeah. think she's got a lot to come, like a lot ahead of her. I, I don't think Filoni's going to get into this show. That's his baby. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ahsoka is Filoni's baby. So he might have an end in mind for her, but I think it's a long ways away. We also had the Filoni Ahsoka Gandalf tweet. Don't forget that. Yeah. That's, Ahsoka the White. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was going to bring that up. And I, I do think Filoni has an end in mind. And to bring it back to Mortis she has a connection with a da- with the daughter, like yeah. a strong spiritual connection. So I'm like, I think Filoni, with all of his Gandalf connections, I think he has a big mythological final end point for Ahsoka eventually, where maybe she could become the new daughter or something. But I think that's a ways off. I don't think that'll be in season one of Ahsoka. Maybe she becomes the new Bindu. Yeah. Something. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it's just like her consciousness floats into like this giant mammoth. Tree. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I teed this up for you guys, uh, some, most of you guys yesterday, but um, Rogue Squadron should be a TV show, not a movie. So I kind of talk a little bit of that. And then the second part of that, I think it's related, would be what would be your wish list other thing to kind of do along with it? Like what would else would you want to see in the... Um, then move on and they haven't announced yet like i would like to see you know fill in the blank um i i would love to see night sister stuff I gonna say the same more night sisters yep. please if yep. you played the jedi fallen order or survivor games i mm-hmm. love 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 marin uh and i think there's a plethora of lore behind the night sisters and like their connection to the force and night sister magic that is just waiting to be tapped there's such a cool story there. I, th- I think Elsbeth is a night sister. I think we're going to see some night sister stuff in Ahsoka. I hope That's so. That's my tinfoil hat on that. <laughs> uh, I loved the X-Wing books growing up, so I've, I'm totally with you on anything Rogue Squadron. I was so psyched for a movie. I'd be more psyched probably for a show because I, I, I think that kind of serialized storytelling would be wonderful. I don't know what they would do now because they, like, can't really do what they did in the first four X-Wing books because Coruscant, we know how it falls now. Uh, I was into the idea that we could still have Dennis Lawson be Wedge and maybe passing on the torch to a new Rogue Squadron. But then I'm like, that's so close to what Top Gun Maverick was. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe they're like, I don't know what to do now. I think it would do really well, though, if that's what it was. I'd be be happy with it. Um, I was definitely going to say Night Sisters. I would love for them to have their own show. But then I think about another thing I would love is like a feature-length anime project. Like a full film would be so, so awesome because Visions is so exciting and so gorgeous in a hundred different ways. So to be able to like give a studio permission to just make an entire feature-length film and maybe even have it be canon, that'd be great. Like I would love something like that. I think that'd be really rad. I <laughs> uh, just... I, I guess the second part of that would because I love that idea, but I don't. I would love the freedom not for it to be canon too. Right. Like yeah. it doesn't. Have, Visions is so great because it doesn't have to be burdened by canon. Yeah. Totally. And it has that freedom, so I would love to see you know more Visions content, but without the burden of canon if it needs to be. Yeah. 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 And then for me, I would like to see a full like Ninth Jedi. Yeah. Like, yes. like just to yeah. play on yeah. with Visions, like Ninth Jedi was by far still even after uh, Phase Two or. Uh, season two for visions i still really like the ninth jedi i think that's the whole idea of being so far into the future and like the jedi are just a whisper like that whole idea of just like relearning everything and like picking up from from nothing i think is great um and then yeah i think you're totally right with an episodic version of a rogue squadron or 
that would be so much better than just a two-hour movie because there's so much yeah. complexity when it comes to that part of Star Wars that is like, it's really cool to see on screen, but there's so much more to it. And the video game was fantastic. It really just gives you this whole insight into what it's like to be a pilot for the Republic. And so they definitely need to focus on that more. Because like there, you and I were talking about it last night, like they, there's like the A-wings and the Y-wings and the X-wings and the B-wings. There's just so many things that are out there and they never, they kind of just get glossed over. Yeah, if we got a Battlestar Galactica, but for Star Wars. Exactly. That, I would love that. Yeah. It, I, I, the Alphabet Squadron books, if they used that as kind of a thematic template, like I don't want them to adapt that story one-to-one, -one, but just that kind of tone and feel, but in a live-action story uh, would be so cool. Just really exploring what war is like in Star Wars for these people who are not Force-sensitive. They're just trying to do their best. And the, I'd love that. And they did a good job of, of showcasing that in Andor. Yeah, of yeah. just like oh the God, yeah. and even like Rogue Squadron, like the dark, nitty gritty, like what it's like to be in war, and then seeing it from their perspective is just it makes it so much more surreal. Mm -hmm. And it, like, it, and especially when they're non like force users, it really also like lights a fire under your ass as like a oh, as under your butt as like a as like a human <laughs> being because I'm also not force sensitive. So to see people like living in that in the Star Wars galaxy and dealing with war is as like a non-force user, again, like I think it makes it that much more compelling yeah. as a viewer. You can relate to it. Yeah. yeah. How much uh, pilot um, cosplay, Alex, would we get if we got a Rogue Squadron movie? <laughs> what, what? I'm, I spent the whole time looking for you. <laughs> I said, how much pilot cosplay would we get from you if we got a Rogue Squadron show or movie? I, I've wanted to do, I've, there's so many cosplays I want to do and I just don't, Know how to sew, and I need to know how to sew. <laughs> but your bigs one with the mustache yeah. is like ten. Yeah, of like 10. your wedge is fantastic. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that was that, that was just store bought. <laughs> it looked great on the camera. <laughs> my, took you a while to, to grow the mustache, yeah. but it was worth it. Yeah, the mustache takes me a while to grow. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy Grayson over here has a question. Um, if there were a flashback of Darth Vader, um, when he was a kid. I don't know if there will be that. I want to see if there will be. Have you seen Phantom Menace? Because <laughs> I can tell your dad that you got to watch Phantom Menace. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your dad's the one that doesn't like Samwise Gamgee, so I'll do my best. But <laughs> Thanks, Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> Who else? One, two, three. Hi, I'm Quaid, and I'm from northern Minnesota. Long flights here. Um, somebody said Star Master. I got all excited. Um, do you guys think it would be useful or palatable, or are you on board with an actual film adaptation of the original KOTOR story? Or is that, do you think that's out of the realm of things that people will actually like? I think it's cool because it's completely free of canon because it's thousands of years ago and they can do whatever they want. I just wondered what your guys' opinions on that were. I give you mine. Yeah. Well, I mean, so like we 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 saw at Celebration that they announced the Dawn of the Jedi. So I feel like as much as I would love to have Kotor, I think they're going to have to establish what Dawn of the Jedi is first before we can actually get to Kotor. Unfortunately, because I don't think we can go Kotor and then do Dawn. Because I feel like we've kind of done that with High Republic, and it just gets really confusing as we keep going backwards. I would like to start from the beginning and then work our way up instead. I also yeah. feel like Revan is such a big deal. Yeah. To the hardcore fan so you base. you really have to build up yep. that story to get to that point for it to really make sense. And he'll only be that more popular when the remake finally Most releases. definitely. Because new generations will get to enjoy that story. So. And I, I still fervently believe that Kotar, the way that they're going to 
intro that is it has to be the video game if they do it in any other medium if they do it with a book or they do it with a show first you're gonna tick off a bunch of people mm. but kotor is interesting because it's a wonderful story that everyone had their own relationship with that yeah. story yeah. like spoilers but <laughs> you are you're, you're the, i don't want to i don't want to spoil it even though it's so long ago but like <laughs> There's a twist in it, and it's very important to the way you played the game. And so yeah. for them to come and say, like, this is the one canon version of how it went down, which they did do in Legends. But, yeah, I agree that hopefully the video game does a good job of reintroducing all that stuff. It might not necessarily be canon, but yeah. I, I, I think it's hard to come down and decide, like, this is the definitive version of who Revan is mm -hmm. and what they did in in their time in the galaxy when everyone had a different version of those events. It's the greatest twist over here. It's the greatest <laughs> twist in video game history. Period. End of sentence. Not Star Wars. Video game history. Yeah. And anyone is welcome to come to the bar and challenge me on that later. <laughs> and you've also made a great point, Kevin, that you can have a canonical version that you play yep. through that is laid out. Mm -hmm. Like, it's cement. Like, that's how it is. And then you can also have your normal, like, the way that I played KOTOR, like, 15 years ago. Yeah. That's what Alex was saying. Like, yeah. Legends had its own canon version of it at the time, right. which they brought into SWOTOR. You know, we learned that Mitra Surik was... Uh, a certain character and we learned that Revan was a certain character although the face thing in Swotor was so dumb with Revan but uh, the less we talk about the better Hi my name's Joey I'm from New Jersey Fun Theorycraft uh, with the Veil of the Force how would you feel like if a dark user or the Empire grabbed Emperor Palpatine from it because since Ezra grabbed Ahsoka that's kind of like how it links the Empire coming back from the into the First Order idea. Anytime I think about any dark-sided people being able to use the Veil of the Forest, I get very nervous and I shut down. So <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't, they, yeah. they cannot take up that space. I do not allow it. <laughs> that's that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I do love I do love them like using something like that though as like a pressure point to build tension in a show like I think like this idea of like all the stormtroopers camped out outside like the portal wall thing I'm sorry I'm probably butchering a lot of words <laughs> um, but I like I like this idea of there be kind of being kind of like a space race for the for the world between worlds mm -hmm. you know yes. what I mean like and uh -huh. that being a really high point of tension so I think it's a really fun idea. Had a very like Indiana Jones kind yes. of vibe. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I'm curious if, because uh, we're about to get from a certain point of view uh, a book for Return of the Jedi, oh, and yeah. there's a Palpatine story in that. And I'm really curious if they're going to go into what happened after Vader threw him over and we all thought he was dead. Like, are they going to go into details on like how he went from there to Exegol and did he use some sort of veil or world between worlds to do that? We have that oh, answer. I hope not. It's somehow. <laughs> Where did you go? There's some, I'm over here. Oh, hey. Teleporting around. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to look at you when you're talking. And I'm just... well, the, the, if I do this, does it make it really awesome? <laughs> oh, that'll really. Yeah. No, it's just somehow. That's the answer to that question, by the way. Okay, so I'm Lynn. Um, I don't know anything Star Wars. Um, I'm just here to cause chaos. So I need to know what Tim and Kevin argue about the most when it comes to Star Wars. 
Mm. Um, the Empire did nothing wrong. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Tim okay. really likes the space Nazis, and I don't. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I, it was fun to say that until Andor happened, and then it was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, They really him. are space Nazis. Is this cool? You enjoying this? Watching yeah, like, that was people a fun, in the it was streets? A, it was a fun thing to run with for a little bit, because, like, there, I mean, in After, like, there's a, there's a couple books, and you're like, I see where they were going with this. Okay, I can, I can kind of get it. And then you're like, oh, genocide. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should rethink this. Uh, Gar Saxon has a question for you. Hi. It's going to be like a major point of conversation, the uh, worlds between worlds in Ahsoka. Uh, a lot of rumors as we get closer to the show are coming out of Anakin, seeing Anakin on Mustafar, battling Obi-Wan. It's coming out. Uh, don't know if it's true. It's just rumors. But as we go into those stories and possibly changing stories are we going to have possibly end of season two mando grogu where like it's really significant emotions are high you know pedro pascal's crying and then book of Boba fett they're back together like kills the tension kills the motion of the scene could we possibly be having that with the world between worlds and changing stories oh god i hope mm. not well, that's like why I I love the world between worlds, but I'm scared if they're going to use it and how they'll use it. But from what I think, I understand what Dave Filoni said originally. You can't change things with the mm -hmm. world between worlds. That's not yeah. what it is. It's a window uh, to stuff that has already happened. I don't I don't look into rumors or leaks, so I don't know uh, what you're specifically bringing up. But from what Dave Filoni has said in the past, maybe he'll change it, but I, I think that it's just a, there's one timeline in Star Wars, there is no multiverse or offshoot, so I'm, I'm not worried about using the world between worlds to change things. I, I don't think they're, <clears throat> I don't think they're going to use it to retcon anything. Right. Yeah. Right. I think people assume that, though, because of the, the one scene of Ezra pulling Ahsoka through the portal. Right. We all assume that she dies, and then we come to find out, it was like, no, Ezra saved her, but like, I think that's that one little frame that everyone just assumes like you can mess with time yeah well it's like I, I do think ezra could have jumped through the portal and then been like surprise darth vader i'm here and like, <laughs> he could have done that yeah but uh we we just didn't know because we didn't get to see that whole scene so basically if you go back and you watch season two finale of star wars rebels those temple doors close and you assume ahsoka's dead right but like right immediately after Ezra pulls her through a portal. But Ezra was on the other side of that door, too, at the same time. Exactly. So it's like it's hard for you to understand that he occupied the same space at the same time mm -hmm. in, in two different portions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. It's, it's kind of like, it's really it's kinda like that describe. whole like Doc Brown and Marty seeing himself kind of thing. You're yeah. like, don't, you're going to mess everything up, buddy. So basically, yeah, World Between Worlds operates under Terminator rules and not Back to the Future rules. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, can, mm -hmm. you can't go back and change things, but you can go back. Yeah. And, but it will always be like Kyle Reese goes back and he is the father of John Connor. He didn't he didn't change anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, did I just what, make it more confusing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, it's, let's it's let's talk about Vader being in there and seeing Padme's death and not being able to interact with it Ooh. and mm. then destroying it. So Palpatine couldn't use it. I didn't catch all that's that. A, I mean, that's drama. I love that. Yeah. That sounds well, fun. It, it's in a comic that Vader finds the world between worlds oh. and watches Padme die, but he can't go through the portal and save her. 
So he watches and suffers and then destroys it, that connection, so Palpatine can't use it. Huh. Oh. It's, it's essentially solidifying what you're saying, is that it can't be changed. Yeah. yeah. Also, show them the helmet. <laughs> nice. Ooh. That's really good. And I like that you have, like, the tuxedo bottom, too. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad guy, so Tim That's loves really it. really good. It's more than what I have. Uh, I had a question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I had a question. Uh, this is more of a theory of in the future, do you think there is ever going to be a point in time where the Jedi and Sith balance of the Force and users of the Force just no longer exists and it just becomes you are a Force user and you have whatever you have access to and like there's no more good, bad, light, dark, and it just is there. So they're all gray Jedi, is that what you're saying? <laughs> you can I just want to be really controversial, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if TJ's here or not. I, like, listen. I think there's always going to be dark and light because yeah. there has to be balance. Like, you can't really do balance if you don't have the two sides to balance with, you know? Well, they talk a lot about that in the High Republic right now. Like the they the constantly to the 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 for, uh, God the the path the path of the open hand. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. It was just like there's so many of them. <laughs> um, like they're ta- constantly talking about balance and how like the Jedi are skewing that balance because they're using the Force. So I I think you're right. It's so it's that balance that yin and yang is always going to exist. If it was just one unified thing, then the Force would just completely fall apart. It needs that balance to exist. But I do like the idea of them sort of, like, unifying as, like, not organizations, but as, like, as like bigger groups of people. Mm. But then, like, they aren't monoliths, so there's people within that that are fracturing that. So I do like the idea of them eventually way down the timeline kind of finding a balance as, like, a mo- as, mo- as like two separate monoliths. Yeah. But then there's individuals in there that are fracturing it and can't necessarily maintain it because there is something that I think is universal to even the, our human experience where it's, like, that desire for balance that is also so unattainable. So, like, there's, like, a human condition part of it. So I kind of like that idea of, like, kind of being able to have, like, smaller um, fractions within a larger, more balanced group of two different opposing sides fracturing off. That'd be kind of cool. And you can kind of look at the Sith and the Jedi as those extreme sides yes. of left, of, of good and evil. Like, there, there is that cohesion, that, that, that synergy between both sides, and then we're just seeing the extremist sides yes. of both. Yeah. yeah, especially in the prequels, like the the Jedi are very very dogmatic, and I think we see in the High Republic and other uh, iterations of the Jedi that they aren't so they're more open to the idea and the the truth that like we all have darkness within us. It's not the end of the world if you have a bad day. Uh, just try not to like don't give in to the dark side on purpose mm-hmm. to right. achieve your goals because once you do that, like it will always corrupt you. Star Wars' morality is usually pretty black and white, yeah. unless it's something like Andor. But. <laughs> it yeah. makes me think of, uh, if you watched Vision Season 2, is it called The Sith, the first one? Yeah. Where oh, yeah. that character in that episode, she does kind of balance and like find a middle ground between not being fully good or fully bad. And that is a great story to incorporate in Star Wars. I just don't know how they could fit that into canon. Which, I mean, I think yeah. they kind of have. Like, she is going through this thing where she's actively trying to get rid of the darkness and pretend it's not there. But yeah. by the end of the story, she's like, oh, I do have darkness within me, but I don't have to let it control me. Yeah. And it's very similar to what Yoda goes through at the end of the Clone Wars mm-hmm. when he's going on his spirit journey. And the, the 
horse priestesses basically show him, like, you've been pretending that you're past your fear and you're past your anger because you beat it once. And he's like, yeah, I've dealt with that. And it's like, no, you are afraid of new things and you're lying to yourself about it now. And he has to accept the fact that he's like, oh, there is darkness within me. I just have to acknowledge it and let it move through me instead of letting it control me. You have to go through that decision every morning. Am I going to choose chaos today? You know, like, (laughs) hopefully not. But they've done a really good job with that, especially in the High Republic, of really getting to understand that the Jedi, in that portion of time, they really were understanding that, like, there is some... They aren't as as fallible as they really portray themselves. And by the time we get to the prequels, they are they're extremely pious. They're just like it's this way. I like why do they, they like, only Sith deal in absolute? And you're literally saying that you know, you're making an absolute statement, saying yeah. that this is how it is. Yeah. So it's just like it's. It, I really like that with the higher level and how they're starting to treat Jedi now. Is they really are portraying them not as superheroes but as actual people, which is really cool. There's that. Uh book with Vernestra Rowe, her Padawan, Emery. He goes full-on dark side mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. tries to kill a bunch of Nile and get revenge, and Vernestra pulls him back, and he's like, I'm not a Jedi anymore. And she's like, no, you are. You yeah. just had a bad day. It's okay. Even Master Yoda had a bad day. Where did he end up this I time? I have no idea. I'm over here again. Oh, <laughs> hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, dude. I'm Chris. I'm from Virginia Beach. Um, my question for y'all is actually two-parter. Um, if you could see any Old Republic content be brought to the screen, um, what would you like to see first, and who would you like to see jump into that? I, I, I would take anything in that era. Yep. Like, I don't even have specifics. I just do want to see a bunch of Jedi and a bunch of Sith and a bunch of red lightsabers mm-hmm. and a bunch of blue and green and yellow, like, just yeah. fighting. Like, a- anything from Old Republic? Yeah, I mean, I just want that aesthetic. I want the Bane trilogy. Oh, yeah, Yeah. I do love the Bane trilogy. (laughs) I think the Mandalorian Wars would be really cool to see, too. That's a really neat time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bane is a great answer, because that's a character that was created by George Lucas. Not not the legend story, even though I love that trilogy of books, but to explore Bane's story on screen would be... Awesome. It's. I mean, we are severely lacking in like a big juicy Sith story. Yeah. Like we all know Palpatine and his whole deal. <laughs> We're over it. <laughs> we need. We need Darth Bane. I think. I'm interested to see if the Acolyte pulls anything from the mm. Old Republic. I feel yeah. like that's a show in which like they could reference at least things from the Old Republic, mm. especially in dark sided sense. So I'm really hoping my cross my fingers for that in Acolyte. Just a little bit of those flavors, I guess. I'm over here now. Hey. My thing would be the Republic and the Empire existing at the same time and the political dynamics that would develop from that. Yeah. Because it's always one or the other. We have yet to have both of them existing at the same exact time, um, which could have just been a plot device for SWOTOR at the end of the day, but who knows? Uh, Brian from Wisconsin. Um so with all the Jedi that have survived Order 66, uh, is, uh, do you feel like, or I kind of feel like they're setting up with all these different paths that all the surviving Jedi have taken. Um, do you think Ahsoka might be setting the foundation for the next Ray movie to kind of reform a less pious, more rounded Jedi Council? (laughs) 
What was the question, so. though, Brian? <laughs> Sorry. The, like, you have Grogu, uh, Ezra, um, all these Jedi that they learned from the old council, but after all the Jedi were wiped out, yeah. there's just, they keep introducing, like, a handful of surviving Jedi Padawans, uh, some that may have become Jedi through alternate routes. As they go through all these series and through the years, each of them taking a different path, what do you think the odds are that Ahsoka kind of lays the final foundation for a new council to be formed by Rey in her next movie that they were talking about? Well, there's such a there's such a gap in time from like even Ahsoka to Episode Seven, right? We're dealing five years after the fall of the Empire, because it's, it's still in Mando time, right? So there's a lot of time where, yeah, I guess it could have been rebuilt, but then also like where were they for all of that too? So I I don't know what Grogu's story going to be or like what they're going to do with Ahsoka. Like I I have a hard time believing that they're going to tie it in to this new trilogy that they're starting with Rey, that she might not even be the main character for this. So. I, again, in normal Star Wars fashion, like I'm sure we'll get that story like 10 years down the road. I just don't think it's actually going to tie in with this new trilogy. I think that there's also like a lot of power in, like you said, like all these surviving Jedi have had are are experiencing very different paths in how they're surviving. And like yeah. I think of how Cal Kestis, and oh, I yeah. think of like all those characters from Survivor, and like. I think that there's a real power narratively to allow those surviving Jedi to find their own way because not only does it like individualize their own experiences with their trauma, but then on top of that, it shows how, like what Order 66 really did, which was like just obliterate this, this group of people, do you know what I mean? And I like the idea of them not necessarily coming back together until that at the end of that big gap of time because it really speaks to how obliterated they actually were do you yeah. know what I mean and how mm -hmm. successful the empire was at that sort of like genocide of jedi jedi so i think for me i like i kind of like that they're splintered off and i would like them to stay splintered off if that makes sense yeah. until way later when like ray comes along and is like okay i'll try to like build a new school i'll try my best i'll figure this one out and yeah. like yeah. i kind of like that that individualized experience for that big chunk of in between time yeah there's there's so much pressure now for ray to rebuild the Jedi Order, and we don't know how she's going to do that. Uh, is, is she going to make a school? Is she just going to like completely start from scratch, or is she going to use the Jedi texts? Like, there's just there's so much pressure on her to to take over all of this that I'm I'm worried about which direction it's going to go. I, mean, I like your idea, and I agree with what Chase is saying. I love this era of like Cal Kestis is one of my favorite examples of it. Of uh, no one is telling him how to be a Jedi anymore, yeah. and he's just doing his best. And he's like, I am a Jedi, but I can also make out with my night sister, dark side yeah. YouTube girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the idea that Cal might still be around, that Ezra might still be around, and Rey is like, I I'm trying to make a new school. Luke tried and failed, but he was just kind of doing it in a vacuum with no help, but that all these people who are like, well, here's what I think it means to be a Jedi, here's what it means to me, and they can all sit down and kind of discuss and build together, I think would be really cool. Over here. Hey. Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm from Buffalo, New York. Um, so it seems like there's been increasing mention of the Sith artifacts that are below the Jedi Temple. Do we think we're going to, or at least in the books, because... Uh, we've seen it in Into the Dark and uh, the Inquis Inquisitor book. 
are we going to see like any effect on Yoda using any of those dar uh, dark side artifacts for the end of High Republic, or will we see any of that show up in Acolyte? Yeah, can we, can we get the question one more time? Sorry. Yeah, no problem. So we've so the dark side artifacts that are beneath the Jedi Temple that the Jedi are storing. Yeah. There's been increasing mention of it in the books um, that we've seen. So I'm wondering if Yoda is going to use those artifacts, or we'll see some reference to it in Acolyte, or at least on screen that will, I guess, usher them through like the start, the fall of the Jedi. I guess. Yeah, so dark side artifacts yeah. in the Acolyte. The, the Bogan collection, yeah. Ooh, I love that. I, you just gave me like a, a fun idea that there could be this Sith artifact that's central to the Acolyte, and it, it could end kind of like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where yeah. the Jedi eventually get this thing, and then they open the doors to the Bogan collection and just like, we're just going to keep you in here, and we'll keep you safe, I get. Like, that yeah. would be a fun reveal for people who haven't read the books or the comics to be like, oh, the Jedi have all of this stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. It'd be awful if all this got into the wrong hands. Uh -huh. Anyways. <laughs> As a big horror, like, movie fan, I love the idea of them just, like, kind of playing with fire without realizing it. And, like, or, like, the, the book, the movie that was about the Dybbuk box and, like, kind of, like, bringing this, like, cursed item home and yeah. then opening this huge can of, like, Sith worms. I would love <laughs> to see something like Star Wars worms. Annabelle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Joey's back. Um, so I'm a huge fan of, like, military and the troops and all that stuff. How would you guys feel of, like, a Band of Brothers, like, show, but just the clone troopers or a different era of Star Wars? Not really seeing any of the Jedi or any of the main like heroes. You just basically follow the troops and pilots of seeing the actual war through their eyes. That's uh, I mean that's kind of the clone experience from the Clone Wars and like the Bad Batch. That that reminds me a lot of the Bad Batch, which I love. Yeah, but like I think that's what they kind of like went with like Andor. You know, that's that that dark gritty like mm -hmm. this is where you really get to see just like the rough side that they don't like to really show in the animated. Like, they do it, like, the animated stuff gets dark. There's definitely some dark episodes. You're like, oh, man, that one hurt. Um, but, yeah, I think they've, they've kind of nailed that with Andor. I really like how they really portray war in that sense because it's not, it's not, like, I feel like you get kind of desensitized to it when you see just, like, battle after battle after battle. But when you're seeing, like, these, like, these few people give up everything. Like, the, the, one, the one scene with Luthen when he's in the elevator shop, he's like, you've given this, I've given everything for this. He, so. what is he, he has a very poignant line there. He says, I'll never see the sunrise or something like that. Yeah. That you get to see. I forget the exact phrasing, but. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Nice. Bring a sunrise I will never see. That's pretty heavy when you really dig into yeah. it. And I feel like that, that level of sacrifice would get lost when it's just clones. Because, like, unfortunately, they're all just, it, they're all the same. You know, they're all, like, it, they, they, they aren't humanized until later on when we start getting to learn their names and things like that. And I feel like if it was just constant, just, like, CK numbers, we would lose, we'd lose that. That, and if you don't have the connection to Clone Wars, it's going to be really hard for the, again, the average viewer to care as much. Like, we, my, me and my son just finished Clone Wars, so he watched it for the first time. He was in tears when Fives died. Like, yeah. in tears. Yeah. So he has the connection because he's watched a show. I would venture to say that in this room, yes, most of us have watched Clone Wars, if not all of us, but the average Disney Plus subscriber has not seen Clone Wars, so to bring that into live action... Yeah, that's where I think, like, the, the Rogue Squadron 
show can really shine because it's mm-hmm. not it's it'll definitely have more characteristic yeah any other questions no oh one more darkwing's got one mm-hmm. darkwing duck his name's darkwing that's why i'm saying that i just arbitrarily do it i hope that's not his birth name though. <laughs> i wish it was my birth name <laughs> uh, um the last thing i'll give you is uh they announced or they kind of talked about the tentative uh, length of time that they're targeting for Jedi, uh, the new RPG. Not Jedi, uh, the new RPG that's coming out. Outlaws, thank you. Outlaws. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're thinking like it's going to be some amount of time. It was a big debate, though, afterwards. It's like, how long should an open world RPG last? And I was just kind of curious, what would your uh, opinions on like how long an open world RPG or general video game for uh, Star Wars be? Just in what you guys would ideally want. You're talking about like just like the overall like length of play. Yeah, I mean, like I I would assume Outlaws is going to give me the same amount of play that like Red De- Red Dead Redemption did. Like mm. that's going to be probably anywhere from like thirty to forty hours of like story and side mission, but then the endless amount of time that I can play in the open world. Like this is between episode five and six. Like this is probably like the the highlight of you know the Empire's rule and the battles with the with the the. Uh, the rebels so i feel like there's just there's so much that you can do with this with that portion of time that i feel like it's just it'll be endless as long as they continue to add to it so i would love it to just go on for as long as i can that yeah, already the, sounds like so daunting to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is such a, a good time uh period to do this in because uh the empire and the rebellion are so head-to-head that the crime syndicates are just running wild yeah and to be able to just like be in this moment in time and like see how they're all kind of like in charge is going to be really cool. And as far as playtime, because it's the first Star Wars open world game, like I really hope that there's plenty to do. And I think there will be um, just like endless amounts yeah. of, of activities to do in the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 30 hours already is like. A, a long time for me yeah. as a game. Like I, I don't play a ton of open world games, so I'm, I'm excited for just a, a story that could be that length, and then to just go off and explore uh, all these different planets and stuff. But yeah, I'm really excited. I think I'll spend a lot of time digging into all the criminal syndicates because we just, we know of a lot of them, but we don't know their inner workings and what sets all of them apart. Like the Pikes mostly deal in the spice trade, and then like Black Sun. We know they're mostly Falene, but I don't know what they, what's their specialty? I want to go, like, learn all that stuff. And I can't wait to, like, just share notes about everyone's, like, different experiences at different points in the game and being like, oh, like, what did you do, like, in, mm-hmm. like during this date, like, this session of gaming? So it'll be fun to, like, share that with each other. I always enjoy a game where there's a, I know there's not really a morality system, but we have choices that we can make. And I always enjoy being extreme one way or the other. So, for instance, when I saw the opportunity to work with the Empire and pay them off to make them go away or tell them to get lost and then you got to run to your ship because they're on you, um, I would probably get, play it twice and do it one way or the other just to understand. I did that with um, uh, Detroit Become Human, mm-hmm. and it was like two completely different video yeah. games, <laughs> like two completely different games. So um, I hope it's not endless amounts of hours because... I used to be the open world RPG guy that was like, all right, let's do this. And then I played Assassin's Creed Valhalla for a year and a half. <laughs> and I was like, okay, the game's too big. So I do hope it's regulated to 
a palatable size that isn't, you know, I could do 200 hours. That's like Witcher 3-ish. I could, but that's like my max. I think I endless think. in the sense of like, to Molly's point with the syndicate, like you can, there's just so much, like the amount of just like crimes that you could do. <laughs> I mean, like there's, there's so much to be done in the universe, Kevin. Oh, I can't wait to see how quickly I can get to the five-star rating of, like, everyone's after me. Yeah, that's what everyone does in, in any GTA game. Yeah. Ten minutes after you buy it, you're like, well, how quickly can I get to five stars? I, I look forward to seeing the Star Wars version of that from GTA, where it's like a helicopter's after you. It's like, no, they send a bunch of AT-ATs stomping after you. Like, that would be awesome. Yeah, just Star Destroyers popping into the sky. Yeah, That would be the hidden sixth star all of a sudden. Oh, crap. They're like, forget the Jedi. We need that person right there. It's just the Death Star and the whole planet is destroyed. At what point does Palpatine show up and recruit you? It's like, right. I want you on my yeah. team. Good. <laughs> um, before we get out of here, I wanted to bring up one last point, and then uh, we're going to uh, say goodbye for this year. But um, we heard recently that Disney is going to be pulling back on the amount of content they're making within Star Wars and Marvel. For Marvel, it makes sense, in my opinion. We've, we've wrung that towel pretty damn dry at this point. But for Star Wars, I feel like we were just getting a good cadence. Yeah. So I wanted to see what you all thought about that before we get out of here. Um, well, I am somewhat anti-volume at this point, And I feel like they use the volume sort of like to save money. I think it is a budget-friendly option. So if they're pulling back on shows, I do like the idea of the shows getting more of a budget production-wise, like Andor is like stunning production, and you can tell that show had money. Yeah. So I really, if, like, if they are pulling back on Star Wars content, I do think of it as a positive, because I think that each production will hopefully have a little bit more room to like, you know, find its own footing, be its own aesthetic, have more of a budget for production. And yeah, that's how I look at that. Yeah, I, I, hopefully it'll be quality over quantity, yeah. and mm -hmm. so I'm I'm fine with them pulling back on it a little bit. It's, I, I still hope we get like two a year, but I would rather get a slower trickle of things that look as good as Andor as opposed to like that year we got Book of Boba Fett, Obi Wan, and Andor. And I liked Obi Wan's story, but like I really didn't think it lived up on the production level and I would have been like yeah take a little extra time mm. <laughs> spread it out and make sure that looks great I think if you can make a practical set you make a practical set yeah, yeah. if you can't you use the volume the reliance on the volume and Tim and I have worked in volume environments with production studios before mm -hmm. it has its place and it's per if you don't know what we're talking about the volume is that 270 degree screen that they use it's on Disney's back lot we have we actually have one in Tampa there's actually one in Orlando too mm -hmm. Um, but uh, it was one at full sale. So they use it to create virtual environments um, using NVIDIA technology, and then they can film appropriately as if you were in that exact location. So if we wanted to make Felucia today, bam, done, rendered, and we're good, and we're off the races, and then you use some practical props to you know, make sure there's depth and whatnot. But if you can make a practical set just like they did in Andor throughout the entire time, the difference is noticeable, yeah. and it's it's we will all say, oh, this is better because. So I think the reliance on the volume was partly due to COVID, yeah. but now it's an excuse to save budgets. Mm -hmm. And if we're getting two good shows rather than four eh shows, I would be on board with that as well. Agreed. So, cool. Well, uh, before we get out of here, Alex and Molly, tell us uh, where, where we can find you. Uh, we're on YouTube at Star Wars Explained, and we talk about 
everything Star Wars, including the books and comics and video games as they come out. Yeah, we're on all the social medias. Uh, all of them. The website formerly known as Twitter and all, all those other ones. <laughs> everything is just Star Wars Explained. Yeah. They do Legos too, that's what I watch. So <laughs> I love your Lego builds. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I feel like that's important. It's a big Lego crowd. <laughs> Chase. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. I'm that gay Jedi on YouTube. I cover and queer things Star Wars and like other things in pop culture. And you can find me on Instagram at akthatgayjedi. And your horror movie podcast? And what? Your horror podcast? And my horror podcast, Fear Queers. Yeah, I'm doing a Buffy watch. Uh, it's my first time watching Buffy, so we're, we're covering Buffy. It's really, really fun. It's called Hellmouth Homos, so it's a good time. And you do... <laughs> You do retro streams on your YouTube too, as well. What was that? You do retro game streams on I, your YouTube. Yes, as well. oh my God, yeah. Like, I was just playing Game Boy Advance release of um, Apprentice of the Forest, the Star Wars game, and it was really, really fun. I actually have like my Game Boy Advance plugged into the Game Boy Player in the GameCube, connected to the oh CRT, and then the game capture <laughs> wow. card to the, com- the TV to the computer. It's really fun. It's good. Cool. He yeah. told me that pre show, and I was like, you just unlocked a core number. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, Kevin's better, better at plugging on. our stuff than we are. <laughs> yeah, I got to do the whole thing. Jeez. And then when it gets to me, I'm like, ah, you, I'm in Tim's stream all the time. <laughs> Tim? And you can find me on the internet, Darkness Fortune. I just don't go here. Just go, go to YouTube. Yeah, that was me. a joke. We had a little fun. Don't go watch him on Facebook because you can't. YouTube. Uh, or everything else. You can go to raredrop.co to find us and what we yeah. do. Our, and yeah, Star Wars and Scotch. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. It helps us immensely. This episode, if you tuned in halfway, you came in halfway, you want to hear the whole thing, we'll be out at... What's today? Today is Saturday. So it'll be out on Wednesday of this yes. coming week. Yeah, so it'll be our regular episode this week. And then we are back. We're actually in Memphis <laughs> the week <laughs> yeah. after, so we got to record in the hotel room. And then uh, we'll be covering Ahsoka. You'll be covering Ahsoka. You'll be covering Ahsoka. We're so, not going <laughs> to cover Ahsoka. Yeah, we're going to skip Ahsoka. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much. And as always, Tim. May the force be with you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.